The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. He said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus often has advice that he offers to sinners, tax collectors, Pharisees, the disciples. So many groups of people get so much advice from him. This particular bit of advice today is one that he actually does himself. So when you think about this invitation to a dinner, a feast, we want to equate that to the concepts of the Mass. The Mass our highest liturgical celebration, is a feast. And we hear about it in Scripture often as a wedding feast. You know, this great high portion, this thing that we are so excited to show up to and celebrate with other peoples. I mean, who doesn't like to go to a wedding reception? At least for a little bit. You know, you get some food, you get some cake, you know, you get to watch the little kids do their dance, and eh, it's all great. And then you're just like, it's time to go home. But... We always, we're dressed up, we're having a good time. Even for funerals, you know, it's not an uncommon thing to have the funeral luncheon. It's a very common practice. As you go, you, you communicate, you share the stories, you, you have food together. Mass is that on steroids. And we treat it like Sunday brunch. Uh, I guess I'll get there when I get there. You know, I'm feeling some flip-flops today. That seems like an okay idea. Um, you know, I don't feel like brunch this weekend. Maybe we'll go later. Maybe we'll go next weekend. But yet, if we never, ever, ever went to another funeral luncheon, if we never went to another wedding reception, if we never went to another brunch, but we went to Mass, we would have the ultimate feast but we don't think that way anymore. Jesus, when he gives this, this suggestion, this, this advice to the Pharisees, says, when you hold a lunch or dinner, don't invite friends, brothers, sisters, relatives, wealthy neighbors, in case they can repay you. Who does he want us to invite? The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And so, in fact, in every Mass, when Jesus celebrates the Mass, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind are invited because which one of us can ever repay him? We can't. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm blind at times. I'm very poor in spirit at times. I'm crippled in my own behaviors. I'm lame in different ways. Like, we suffer all of those categories. And never once, as Jesus said, don't come. In fact, he begs us to go and get more people to show up. We hear about that in other stories in the, of the scriptures when the father is holding the, the reception for his son and nobody shows up. He says, go find the people on the outskirts. 
and bring them. So I love this because Jesus actually lives out the advice that he gives to this Pharisee. Don't invite the people that can pay you back. Invite the ones who most need you, who can never pay you back. We are in most need of Jesus, and we can never repay him, but we can love him, and we can give worship to him, and we can give adoration to him. And that's such the great gift. So when we celebrate this votive mass of the most holy Eucharist, and we're in this, in this light of the, the Eucharistic revival over these next three years, it's partially to reiterate and recatechize and reteach the truth about the fact that bread and wine in mass is consecrated and then changed into the body and blood of Jesus. We have, to, we have to reclaim that truth statement. We have to know that beyond just an intellectual level. We have to know that on a spiritual level. It can't just be a symbolic gesture in our minds like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's symbolically a representation of that. La-. No, it's the Last Supper. Done. And yet how we treat the Mass and the Eucharist is really important. What the Mass and the Eucharist does to us at the completion, in the sending, in the going out, how we present ourselves to receive the body of God. All of it matters. When we come forward, we come forward in, in, a, in a gesture not of, I am better than you, but of a, a gesture of great humility. Like, Lord, what do we say just before? And Lord, I am not worthy. I'm not worthy. But only say the word, the body of Christ. Amen. I believe this. I claim this. I hold on to this. And so we receive. And there's, there's multiple ways to receive. You can receive standing in your hands if you desire. You can receive standing in on your tongue if you desire. You can receive kneeling in, in your hands if you desire. You can receive kneeling in on your tongue if you desire. All of that's fine. What we don't do, we don't tear, carry him away. <laughs> We don't, uh, you know, do other weird stuff. We, we don't have to. This is, this is one that is, is a new experience for me. We don't have to stay in the pew if we're not able to receive. You can actually come forward to receive a blessing. That's a good thing. We don't receive, go back to our pew, and then start looking at everybody. Why are they wearing that? Wonder what we're going to do today. What's for lunch? Like, we now need to contemplate the very mystery of who we have consumed and how in that consumption, I am being transformed and changed. And sometimes we need silence for that. We need quiet for that. If the way we approach the Eucharist becomes then a better witness for others, that's a good thing because that's, that's what it needs to be. We witness for others this devotion. So when someone's like, when they see us, whether in mass or outside, they know something's different about us. I remember the, I don't remember the day, but I remember the year, right, which year in, in the seminary, I went from receiving the Eucharist on my hands to on, on my tongue. And, and I remember the reason why. So for years I had come forward, I received the Eucharist in my hand, I made a nice altar and 
had my hand out there. I said amen very loudly, very happily. And then in that movement, when I went from second pre-theology into first theology, this radical idea, so for two years I had been like watching people and thinking about this and like receiving the way I had normally received. And there was this, this thought that went through my mind of, as we got closer to, to um, ordination, the fact is like the priest's hands are consecrated. So the sacred chrism is put on the hands that changes them. It consecrates them to do the holy things. And I said, well, my hands are not consecrated as a, as a theolo- as a seminarian. And therefore, like, the Lord in his infinite goodness, like, not that I'm unworthy to hold him, but I'd, I think it'd be more beautiful for me to just allow him to, like, rest on and in me. So that was my rationale going through it. And I mean, it was kind of weird at first. A few times I first went up there, I was like, amen. And I was like, slot machine. And then you're like, you know, like the cap. And it's like, you got to find that sweet spot, you know, of like comfort and like the people. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a practice in like distributing communion in multiple ways. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just this beautiful, like, a natural gift the Lord kind of revealed because it's something I prayed about and I thought about it and it wasn't an overnight okay we're gonna it's, it was years of like, okay but now I think this and so now as a priest you know it's like we consume and um it's such a it's such a special special gift the Eucharist and it's something we can't take lightly anymore and it's, it's something that maybe needs a resurgence of protection, even. And even, like, to protect from ourselves. So, like, you know, we, we in a seminary, we would have uh, seminarians be patent holders. So as people would come forward, whether receive on their hands or on their tongue, we always had a patent ready right there. And as a seminarian, I remember I caught four hosts. I was like, that was my, my pride moment. I was like, I caught you, Lord. I got you. I won't let you fall. Um, but like, if there's this, like, yeah, just nervousness, reverence, like, oh, how I receive, like, okay, we have to, we have to be mindful of that. Um, the thing that used to bother me early on as a priest and as a deacon, as people would come forward and they would, they would reach for the host. And I was like, no, no, don't do that. And, and the reason for that was the idea is like, I'm receiving. I'm sure to be receiving, like, and both are a form of reception, whether it's on my hand or, or on my tongue, I'm receiving, I'm, I'm docile, and like the person reaching out, I'm like, you're not receiving, you're taking, that's weird, I've learned since then, like, some people, like, they, their, their hands don't function well, and so, like, that's the way that they can best, you know, take a host, I'm like, okay, we're okay, but just to the idea of, like, what is my intent coming forward, what is the intent I have in receiving our Lord? So there's a lot of tangents there. I apologize. Um, but the Eucharist is really important. Uh, and so I don't have a nice pretty bow to give you to wrap up this homily, um, except for to contemplate, to contemplate this fact, this truth statement. God is alive. God exists. God is alive. 
God is the infinitely good one who's made all things. God is three persons, one nature, so Father, Son, Spirit. God became incarnate in Jesus Christ, take on the human flesh, so it was fully divine and fully human. Died for our sins, for our salvation. Gave us the gift of his body that still retains the accidents of, of bread and wine, and yet are intri- intrinsically transformed and changed because he doesn't, doesn't want us to feel like cannibals. After his death, gave us the Holy Spirit to be an advocate, to remain with us forever, and yet is alive and, and present in every Mass through the Eucharist. So, all of that, how do I treat God when he is in his most vulnerable and humble state, when I come forward to receive his body and blood in the Eucharist? How do I treat the creator of the cosmos, the king of the universe, the Lord of my salvation, when I come forward to receive the very gift of him back into me? How do I treat him? How do I think about that moment? How do I prepare for that moment? Ponder that.